1: Welcome, everybody, to the Anthony Irwin Show. I am Anthony Irwin, uh, today, today joined by somebody who uh, I have i honestly don't bring on the show often enough. He covers the Golden State Warriors. Honestly, a big reason why I don't bring him on is because the Warriors are typically really well run, and I don't like acknowledging that fact. Um, Brady Klopfer of Golden State of Mine is here with us today. How are you doing, buddy?
0: I'm doing all right, Anthony. Doing all right. That's solid very, very solid reasoning, and um, <laughs> you know, if the, if the I've been waiting reversed, this I whole time the for them to fuck up, and then,
1: like, now <laughs> it's like, all right,
0: it's time to talk to Brady. Here we go. <laughs> you know, the other day, I was clearing out this. This is kind of tangential, but the other day, I was clearing out a old like hard drive, and I found a picture, a screenshot I had taken from a preseason game before the Warriors were good when they were beating the Lakers eighteen to two, and it was like when the Warriors were still ass. And I had yeah. like taken a screenshot because I was just like, oh man, I gotta like,
1: I gotta hold <laughs> on to this for
0: posterity's sake. So, you know, I understand it. You 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 pray for the other team's downfall, and then when it yeah. finally happens, you pounce. It's a it's Where a whole are. Bay
1: thing. Like people one like you know, people I so the teams that I hate in sports, obviously the Celtics, you know, for, for obvious reasons. Fair. Um hate the Packers. I'm a Vikings fan. Ooh. Hate the Astros with the fire of a thousand suns because of the the cheating thing. Um, and then it's the entire Bay. It's all of the Bay. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) I don't even care about hockey. And I'm just like, Nope, can't stand San Jose. They have cool uniforms. I'm never going to acknowledge them. Screw those people. Um, and so, and it's been funny because like over the course of my lifetime and um, Sam and I joke about this all the time, how like, the Lakers and Warriors are kind of like the the um, the two superheroes in Hancock, where Charlize Theron and Will Smith like can't be together or else they lose their powers. So like they can't they can't both be good at the same time. The Lakers and Warriors. Every time the Warriors are good, the Lakers are just complete ass. And then you know for the entirety most of my lifetime, it was the other way around. The Lakers were pretty good, and the Warriors were just a dumpster fire. Um, and then now it turns out the only way that they can kind of coexist is if they're both super frustrating. Like that's, that's, that's it. it. that's <laughs>
0: it. And if, if there's any, you know, you know, this makes you feel any better. I feel like history points towards, you know, we're going to be in this moment. We're going to be in for this season or whatever. The Warriors yeah. will probably recover, probably be good again for like, Three years, Steph Curry yeah. will retire, and then the Lakers are going to be good while the Warriors are just well, total booty for like fifty years. We'll see somehow, some way.
1: Because you're, you're you're giving you're giving Robbie P.
0: and the, <laughs> okay, the Rambi a be, lot of credit. Maybe this will be <laughs> post Robbie P. You know, <laughs> at some point down the line. Well, oh, I'm convinced will there will not
1: be a Robbie a post Robbie P timeline. Like oh, I'm convinced he's just. Terrifying. He's just, yeah, he's just forever going to be in my life until... This yeah. sounds
0: like a dystopian novel that I would really love for you to flesh out sometime. I, I you know, I I might, I might. Just give me enough whiskey.
1: <laughs> we have two <laughs> and a half hours before a team meeting. We can just, we can we, write this thing now. We, we can make this happen, let's do it. <laughs> we can just show up to the thing.
0: Hey, Harrison. <laughs> um, Hammered for our team meetings. If anyone doesn't know, that's how, that's how we do it around here. <laughs>
1: exactly. Um, so, yeah, I I wanted to talk to you, though, because I find the Lakers and Warriors situations interesting. Uh, there's a lot of palace intrigue, obviously, at play there. Um, but I also find them very similar. I find both of the two situations um, similarly. Like, they just keep taking turns firing the shotgun at their foot, you know? And, you know, with, with the Lakers, for example, and I'll let you kind of detail the uh, Warriors, but with the Lakers, for example... It's Robbie P., it's the Rambi, it's ownership, it's Tim Harris. Like one thing that I've been hearing a lot more um, as it pertains to the Lakers and the the decisions that they're making is like the basketball people feel a certain way, which implies that there are non-basketball people who feel differently and who are imparting their decisions. Exactly, exactly. That, you know, and and I've been, you know, every so often – I think over the last few months or so I've I've heard that phrasing at least four or five times and every time I hear it I'm like hey are we going to ask the follow up like are we who's the, who's the non-basketball people where are these non people? is it Tim Harris you know is it is it is it uh Linda Rambis or Rambus like what's what's going on here with this uh lack of cohesion in the front office and you know the macro level point though is that given how competitive the NBA is, and given how smart professional sports have become, uh, you can't have people rowing in different directions in, in these organizations. and and I you know I, I'm, I'm obviously paying close attention to the Lakers, but then I, I look over and I, I hear some of the complaints about Golden State and it sounds very similar. It sounds like there's a lot of that going on. so like what what is going like this whole two timeline thing, it's the kind of thing that like I you know I, I don't I obviously I'm not comparing these two people like apples to apples, but it it sounds like something Elon Musk would convince himself on, you know <laughs> <laughs> these these billionaires who are really, really smart in one aspect of life bring their knowledge of that stuff and and they think they have this confidence that they can just transfer all of that over to whatever they're doing here. and this two timeline thing is just it sounds like very you know, billionaire guy who just refuses to acknowledge that, yeah, maybe I don't know necessarily everything about this situation.
0: Look, I think Joe Lacob with like 20 times more money than he has is a pretty fair comp (laughs) for Elon Musk, honestly. (laughs) Like, I I think that's pretty fitting. It's, you know, Elon Musk is Elon Musk because he – Acts the way that all these other billionaires do. Only he has that much more money. <laughs> yeah, right. I think I think he it's can a very take a sixty-six
1: job. billion dollar loss
0: here, and it's just like it's no biggie. Here, I'm an idiot, whatever. Here, these loser NBA owners are complaining about salary tax and whatnot, and he's just dumping <laughs> dumping tens of billions down the toilet for for fun. You know, levels yeah. to this or whatever. Um, Yeah. No, that's that's pretty accurate. It's, I mean. There are like two different things going on here. The first is mm-hmm. is like what you were talking about with people having different opinions here. And the Warriors, I think the Warriors have four very distinct, different viewpoints throughout their organization. Mm. They have the players, the core players, the Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Clay yeah. Thompson, who are all in on winning and yeah. want the team to stop messing around with this two timelines. Nonsense. And, and importantly,
1: the I think the those that core, I think it's always important to point out they predate this ownership group. Yes, like I think that's a big factor here.
0: They absolutely that is a that is very important to note. They they predate ownership, and it's also important to note that fans very much know this. I mean, fans should love players over owners regardless. Yeah, but you know, fans especially love yeah this core group over ownership. Even though you know Joe Joe Lacob is quite popular as far as owners go. Um, with mm-hmm. the fan base but you know you can't hold a candle to to the core Steph and Clay yeah and then there's Steve Kerr who's like not as all in on winning now as the players but is still mm-hmm. like you can tell he does not want to play the youngsters and he's like forcing <laughs> some of them into the rotations but like he doesn't want to he just wants yeah. Andre Iguodala to come back and magically be able to play 48 minutes <laughs> at night like that's yeah the thing that keeps him up at night and then there's the gm bob myers who was you know kind of into the top the two timelines thing and, and wants there to be more development of the young players and then there's the ownership group who is convinced still that james wiseman is a future mvp Oof. and it's it's just they've they're spread across the entire the entire thing and it's just it's ridiculous and the other thing is I just think the two timelines thing is, is crap. I think it doesn't yeah. work. I think, you know, the warriors are showing why it doesn't work just in the sense that they don't have the minutes for players to develop. You know, Jonathan Kaminga was the number seven pick last year. He's playing like a, like 10% as many minutes as the six players who were picked ahead of him. You know, you have like Cade mm-hmm. Cunningham and Josh Giddy playing like 40 minutes a night. And Jonathan Kaminga is playing like five minutes a night. Like, you, yeah, you're not going to develop players that way. But the other thing about it that I think the ownership is just completely naive about is like two timelines only ever works if you get historically lucky. Mm -hmm. If you, you know, the Warriors have like for a long time, Joe Lacob has touted that they want to follow the San Antonio Spurs mold. The San Antonio Spurs drafted Kawhi freaking Leonard. Yeah. Like that, You that's not a sustainable model. That can't be what you aspire to. If it accidentally happens, then great. Have a party. Enjoy that. But you know, Steph Curry is the Warriors. Tim Duncan, and you can't actively plan- bank on having James Wiseman or Jonathan Kaminga be the Kawhi Leonard. Be Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> just, that's not how it works. You know. Yeah. And like the, the whole two timelines thing is like, even if these players hit, even if Moses Moody, Jonathan Kaminga, James Wiseman, Patrick Baldwin, their first round pick this year, even if all of those guys hit on like their ninety fifth percentile like ceiling. Yeah. As soon as Steph Curry and Draymond Green and Klay Thompson are gone, it's a bad team. Yeah. That's just how it works. You, you need a Steph Curry. You need a LeBron James. You need a top 10 player. And it's not, you know, as both of these teams are showing, that's not enough in and of itself. But you can't just, like, develop some good young players and slap a label on it that it's the next era of a dynasty. Like, I'm sorry, that's not going to be a good team.
1: He's also kind of ignoring how it ended in San Antonio
0: that do Why seem to hate everybody there <laughs> like- and, and look at them now they've had all these picks now for years and they are just continuing to churn out an 11th seeded team
1: like, like saying that i want to be the san antonio spurs ignores like a decade
0: like which, are just which is <laughs> like- the good parts anthony just the good parts <laughs>
1: It's like it's the kind of thing that you say, and it sounds okay, and then you think about it a little longer. and And this is the thing with like the with billionaires, like right, like these people at that level, they're surrounded by so many sycophants that it's like, I want to be like the San Antonio Spurs, and everybody around him is like, oh my gosh, NBA historian. Bob Myers or, or uh, M- uh, Joe Lacob, NBA historian Joe Lacob. Somebody like somebody needs to walk walk in and be kind of like in in a movie. It would be like the the comedic relief, right? This person just walks in. is like, you know, we got to be like the San Antonio Spurs. You mean the guys who have been at the bottom of the standings for the last five <laughs> years? Those guys. We want to be those guys. We saw how that movie ended, right? Like <laughs> this is what we're doing. I would pay um, so
0: much money to have access to film of someone saying that to to like you mean
1: you mean the same San Antonio Spurs who uh, just traded away Dejounte Murray, and he's a part of a really exciting Atlanta Hawks team, and 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 the same like the the same team that couldn't develop Lonnie Walker, who is like now the third best player on the Lakers. Like this, oh, th- those guys, you took guys,
0: shot two teams there in one sentence. That was oh great. yeah, I know. Took it, down the Spurs and the like. Lakers, I said though. we're Beautiful. we're
1: writing this dystopian novel. I have this <laughs> bottle of whiskey behind me. We're doing it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I. I but the it, it's so interesting because. Uh, you know you look at do you look at the 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 teams that are in, uh, that are in lockstep right the teams that have an identity and they're all on the same page and generally speaking even if the the results aren't exactly what you want and everybody's pursuing the same thing right everybody's pursuing championships but even if they like those those organizations that are in lockstep even if they come up short you know that like generally speaking they are they're heading in the right direction right like the bucks before they won their championship, there was some of like there was some of the, you know, are they fraudulent? Is it the same old bucks? year in, you're out. And then like eventually they won, and you're like, yeah, you know, that kind of makes sense. It kinda it makes sense that they would eventually get there. Um, yeah. the only thing though is that like since then, and this is where I think like the 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 new owners, the newer age owners, um, are are really kind of showing their own flaws here. Is even like in Milwaukee, they thought, oh yeah, we could just replace PJ Tucker. That's fine. We right. could just we can the Lakers, right? And and this isn't a newer, this isn't a newer ownership thing, but it is relatively, right? Jeannie is relatively new to to this. She probably thought, and Rob Polinka definitely thought, oh yeah, we could just replace Alex Caruso. You know, that's 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 somebody. And I think now we're seeing it here with with Golden State, where, oh yeah, we'll just replace uh, Gary Payton the second and yeah, sure. We'll just replace Otto Porter. Like those guys, uh, w- those, we have Jonathan Kaminga like that. We have, we have Moses Moody, um you know, yeah. and, and like this, this hubris that is evident there that you're, you know, it's the family guy thing. Yeah. We know, we know in the, in, you know, door number one is a, is a, is a boat, but this box <laughs> could be anything. It could be a boat. Jonathan Kaminga, could be Otto Porter Jr., but better. He could also just be Jonathan Kaminga, but he could be—you know—he could be a combination of Otto Porter and Andre Iguodala. Just imagine, guys. Um, and 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 meanwhile, this is where like I kind of feel for Steph and Draymond and Clay, and and in the Lakers' case, LeBron. Because the other part of this that I find fascinating is because in the Warriors' case, Steph and that core predate ownership. I feel like inherently ownership isn't going to be as committed to winning with not their guys, right? Like mm-hmm. if, if somehow Kaminga or Wiseman or whatever winds up being, you know, an iconic figure, I feel like they'd probably wind up committing more to winning on their timeline than they've been committed to Steph to this point, right? Yeah. Um, and I think the same thing is at play here with LeBron where I, there is just no way, that the Lakers would be this okay with shitting away two straight seasons that like LeBron was just capable of leading the league in scoring last year. And I think he's, he's definitely lost. I think he's definitely lost a step this year. Uh, This is the most like old I have seen LeBron Mm -hmm. look. He'll have those explosive north North and South plays, but watching him not be able to go East and West has been really, really tough, and it really, it's really loud out there. Um, but still, LeBron at like 85% is still better than 95% of NBA players out there. Um, and and I just can't imagine that if it was Kobe or if it was Magic uh, at this stage of their careers where they do have maybe one or two more seasons to viably compete for a championship, I just can't imagine that Jeannie and Rob. Rob, especially given his ties to Kobe would like, just w- would be okay with, well, you know, this team's too far gone. We'll give it yeah. a go at the, at the, at the 2023 draft. And it's just, you know, do you, do you feel that with, with the Warriors that, uh, because it's Steph, because Steph was, was the prior ownership's find, even though like they should get credit for developing him in the way that they did, uh, but do you, do you feel that? Like, do you think there's that kind of tension in the organization where, because Lacob isn't the one who drafted Steph, didn't draft Draymond, didn't draft Clay, do you think those guys feel like he isn't as committed to them as they would be had he drafted the guys that he that he's maintaining this two time line approach with anyway?
0: I think I think to a certain extent, certainly. I mean, I think we we saw when when they brought in Kevin Durant, that was Joe mm-hmm. Lacob's guy. And, like, it made a lot of sense with Kevin Durant because Kevin Durant was that move where it was, like, when the Warriors made that, every owner hated Joe Lacob for that. Every fan base hated the Warriors for that. You know, it was extremely lucky with the cap nonsense that happened that year. And then it was Joe Lacob being willing to commit to enormous tax payments beyond that first year to bring Durant on. And it was, I think... I think what I wrote about it at some point was I called it the manifestation of Joe Lacob's ego, which is Mm. very much how I feel about that. Is like signing Kevin Durant was like that was the basketball version of putting Joe Lacob's ego on the court for the Warriors because it was like the guy that they weren't supposed to have talent wise. It was the guy they weren't supposed to have money wise. And. Like, frankly, Joe Lacob liked Kevin Durant a lot more than he liked Steph Curry or Klay Thompson. He was ready to bring him back. He was ready to bring him him back. back. And I think if, you know, Kevin Durant had had the, you know, had had some stupid ultimatum of like, hey, I will re-sign for a five-year deal, but you got to trade Steph. I don't think they would have done it because I think cooler heads would have prevailed. But I do think that Steve Kerr and Bob Myers and a lot of people in the organization would have had to have talked Joe Lacob down from what he would have actually Wanted to do in that scenario. But truthfully, with where the Warriors are now, I think the hubris is more like about an arrogance in just thinking that they can both win on this timeline and build the second one. And I think there's like I I think they I think Joe Lacob thinks that winning in the NBA is easier than it is because. They you mean Joey Lightyears is crazy, <laughs> that right? That guy. Crazy. I know. Groundbreaking news. Make sure I <laughs> curate this and aggregate it and everything. I'm I'm breaking some <laughs> crazy news here. Yeah, but like, you know, I like. I don't think, I don't think he thinks that they were taking a a big hit this year. I think he thinks they're so good that they can take they can take the hit of getting rid of Gary Payton and replacing him with Dante DiVincenzo. They can take the hit of getting rid of Otto Porter Jr. and sliding in Jonathan Kaminga and hoping that he's learned how to play basketball magically. And I think he I think he just thinks we can do those things and still win the championship. So let's stop focusing on winning the championship and start focusing on winning the championship in 5 years and 10 years. And you know, I I I think he he had an interview after I think the first title where he basically said, everyone tells you that you need to, in the NBA, there's like ebbs and flows. You're going to win, and then you're going to have some bad years while you rebuild and get ready to win again. And I think they're wrong. I think that you can win every <laughs> single year. <laughs> and I think that's getting- on display right now. I think he's, yeah. he's doing everything to avoid having any rebuild years. Any of those like, okay, we went all in for five years, won three titles. Now we need like two years to kind of like take a deep breath and jump back into it. And that's going to happen with or without the two timelines. That's just an inevitable part of the yeah. NBA, but I think he's trying to keep it from happening at the expense of going all in right now. Cause he doesn't think they need to go all in right now because he thinks they're that much better than everyone. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Quick question. uh, quick tangent.
1: Has he tried to sell like media verified stickers? Like, has he, <laughs> Like, <laughs> when you like when you get your credential, does it have like a blue check on it? Does that
0: <laughs> um that would be the most Silicon Valley <laughs> sports enterprise thing of all yeah. time? Um
1: yeah, I, I just think it's it's so interesting because you know that same so what you're talking about there is born out of their success. Like I had, I had Mike uh, Prada on the show a few weeks back at the beginning of the season. And, and um, when he was uh, talking about his book and one of the things that he mentioned was the paradox of expertise that success can kind of damper growth, and, you know, it can, it can mm-hmm. get in the way of growth. And I think the Lakers deal with this quite a bit in their disinterest in bringing anybody from the outside NBA world into their organization. They think that, you know, because the Lakers have had that much success, that the only people who can have that success as Lakers are Lakers people, right? Mm-hmm. And and that paradox of expertise has made the Lakers the most insular uh, organization. I would argue in professional sports, it's like them and the Dallas Cowboys. I would probably say. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think here with Joe Lacob, I think we can take a, a similar look at it. That he ha- he had that success on the back of of some wild circumstances. For one thing, um, he inherited Steph Curry, somebody who literally broke the math of the sport. So like this transformational power who uh, defenses are still trying to catch up with, right? We're seeing the season that he's having right now, and he's having these 30, 35, 40 point scoring nights. um, And he's still doing it in much of the same way that he was doing it five years ago because there is no geometric way to cover that guy <laughs> it's yeah. just it's impossible to do it so when in, he inherits him he gets that cap spice that allows him to go out and get kevin durant oh by the way if steph isn't the greatest or with steph being the greatest shooter that we've ever seen in the sport as we have found out that the three pointer is more valuable than any other era has learned about oh hey we have the second best shooter <laughs> who has ever existed in clay thompson and, and as we're learning that, like, yeah, the the you know, one of the best ways to get out and play defense, given uh, the athleticism that surrounds the league and, and what these guys are capable of doing on the perimeter, maybe the best way to go out and defend players is to be switchy and athletic and long and all of those things. Oh, yeah, here's, here's the perfect centerpiece of that defense. Like, and none of those guys are people that he drafted. None of those he, – he, he has had a part – the, the Warriors have had a part um, while he has been in leadership of developing them, and, and they have had success with those guys, more so than prior ownership. But still, like, the, the amounts of success that he has had, like you're talking about, he thinks it's easy, and I think that's a perfect summary of that paradox of expertise. He thinks he's light years ahead of everybody when everybody is just sitting there like, Joe, Joe, you, you walked into the perfect situation. Right? It's, it's, yeah. it's wild to see, it's wild to see this going on. And, and do you think it's something that he can wake up from? Like, would it take, would it take a disastrous, like coming, going from winning a championship to a continuation of the season to this point? Like, what would it take to wake this guy up from, from that amount of hubris?
0: Yeah. I, th- I think it is going to take a disaster, honestly, because I, I, I think, I think your head gets too big at that point. Like, I mean, he even had said it in an interview early on in the dynasty that like he was pointing out to this might've been in the same interview as the light years quote dropped where he was like talking <laughs> about look at <laughs> what a gem. Thank, thank, thank you, Joe, for all of the content you gave us with that <laughs> one little sound bite. just yeah. impeccable. Yeah. But he started talking about how like, you know, look, look at what we've done since I, since I came here, like, look at my resume, look, look at what the team has done since I took over. And like the person interviewing him had to be like, well, I mean, Steph Curry is, like, responsible for a lot of that, right? <laughs> he's like, oh, yeah, well, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I think it's going to it's gonna take a wake-up call of, of some sort. But, you know, I'm curious. I'm, like, morbidly curious to see what happens when that wake-up call comes. Because, you know, he's extremely competitive and extremely egotistical. But at the same time, you know, he is a businessman and his primary goal is business. And he has ridden all of these things that the warriors have done that Steph Curry has done to such monumental success that they now have, you know, probably the best arena in the NBA, just in terms Mm -hmm. of, you know, quality and newness and location. It's in, you know, like the most expensive part of San Francisco it's built so that they can host, you know, concerts and other venues. It's privately funded. Um, mm-hmm. you know, he bought the franchise for what? 425 million. I think Forbes just yeah. valued it at over $7 billion. Jeez. Obviously that's going to drop off when Curry retires, but it's not going to drop off by six and a half billion dollars or anything. Well, the real
1: it. estate is what's going
0: to keep that the real. Yeah. There. The real estate is just, they're printing money at, at, at this point, And it's like, when when he gets humbled with how hard this is, I'm curious to see if he just, you know, takes off the mask and puts on the, you know, evil businessman, <laughs> real estate yeah. mogul. Like, screw it. We're we're making way more money than you'll ever see in your life. Try to tell me that I care about 15 win seasons. Yeah. I mean, I hope that doesn't happen, but I'm curious. Yeah, I mean, we're seeing it with the Lakers,
1: right? Like, yeah. you know, that uh yeah, it, it's it's been wild to see. You know, what should have been a wake-up call last year didn't wake anybody up. (laughs) Yeah, that's the
0: wild part. Is how does that happen?
1: Yeah, well, a
0: wake-up call when there should be.
1: (laughs) It happens when, it happens when you allow sycophants to dictate your every decision. Right? Like it when you don't have. It's been interesting watching uh, that they had that Hulu documentary come out. Right. Mm-hmm. And over the course of it, you really see like, holy shit, the Lakers really, you know, to their credit, they empowered some brilliant basketball minds, right? Where it was Jerry West, it was Pat Riley, eventually it was Phil Jackson. I think even Mitch Kupchak is is kind of underrated because he worked at, at, at Jerry West's, um, you know, he was the second in command with Jerry West. And when you're not Jerry West, you're going to be seen as a certain way. But that guy still went out and won a couple championships without West being there. Um and, and yet, like they have seen all those guys leave. With, you know it, West is West is so far gone in the Lakers minds that they were mistreating his son while he was still there. You know um, Phil Jackson, Phil Jackson when, when when it came time where they were potentially gonna hire him uh, because of the ego of that owner at the time or that controlling governor at that time, uh, Jim Buss. Uh, they go out and they hire Mike D'Antoni for a roster that is not in it was not in any way a Mike D'Antoni roster, you know. And and like when when you essentially limit yourselves and you kick everybody out who could potentially be an adult in the room, um, that is going to lead to a lack of accountability, right? We're seeing it here with with the Lakers, where how is it that after last season the only person who suffers any kind of setback is Frank Vogel when like it, that 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 last year wasn't a Frank Vogel problem. He was one of the issues, but he wasn't the, the problem. The problem was was the guy who decided, hey, yeah, we'll surround LeBron and AD with a bunch of 36 year olds, you know? Um, and then, you know, that guy gets an extension coming off of that year and holy shit, I can't believe he made this <laughs> different kinds of mistakes, but similar stat- statures of those mistakes and and yeah like what it all kind of comes down to is is you know the Lakers have let Pat Riley leave they have let Jerry West leave they let Phil Jackson leave because the bus family wanted you know people to to bow down to them and 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 like the other thing too in in every i think industry there has to be clash there has to be some kind of conflict because from that conflict and if it's if it's mature conflict i think that's where the best ideas are born out and and shaped and um you know it they're really challenged in in ways that like yeah if 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 somebody who could felt like he they could challenge joe laca was sitting there and he said yeah we're gonna do this two timeline thing all it takes is somebody being like you know this isn't a good idea joe this probably isn't a good call. Like we just won a championship <laughs> last year. And, and because there's, it seems like that like, from the outside, looking in, seems like there's that lack of, of conflict. It really seems like they could screw this up. And I think that would re- it, it would be a real bummer because, you know, um, Rob Palenka, has kind of mentioned this. Dave McMenamin asked him about it directly that like this notion of stewardship, when you have great players, you know, with, with LeBron, the Lakers are responsible for the final chapter of his prime. Uh, with Steph, the Warriors are are, in, are are tasked with making sure they fully take advantage of the greatness that he has brought to that city in the sport. And And this is where, like, when we talk about the superstar empowerment era, I think one of the places it's been born out of is, you know, these people realizing, oh, these super duper rich people aren't any smarter than I am. You know, a lot of times and, dumber. yeah, like the Dominique Foxworth said um, he 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 would go in the Levitard show all the time and he would say that, yeah, he sat down in, in a room with Jerry Jones. And as Jerry was talking to him, he's just realizing, like, this guy just he's he's <laughs> an oil guy like that guy. That guy doesn't have any brilliance that extends beyond that 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 industry. And oil is this monopolistic thing that, like, if you can't if you if you screw up oil, you are trying to screw up oil. I'm all, I'm hoping that these these idiots screw up oil so that we can move forward (laughs) with, 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 with how we power this world. But, but like, um, it's, it's, it's wild. Like I understand where it's been coming from. Uh, and this is kind of the last thing I wanted to talk to you about. I understand where it's been coming from, where LeBron has to drag the Cleveland Cavaliers to the greatness that they achieved. Um, and, and he did so by going to Miami and kind of sort of learning from Pat Riley what it takes to to build that roster and build that culture. And he took that back to Cleveland, goes there and wins. Um, but as a result of him kind of having to impart Riley's wisdom onto that Cavs organization, LeBron's now saying, I have this figured out. These on, these owners, I guess governors, are... are um, no smarter than I am. I should be empowered here. I'm the actual great one in this equation. Um, And I think that's really kind of hindered what the Lakers have been able to do because it's impossible to be that kind of great as a player and that kind of great as an executive because both of those things are are full-time jobs. And I think it's been interesting to look over at the Warriors and see that Steph isn't as interested or hasn't been to this point as interested in – Um, leveraging the power that he should have over that organization. And yet now they're at this crossroads and it kind of sort of like, it might take Steph leveraging that power to wake everybody up there and say, no guys, I'm only here for a little while longer. We should try to win here. Do you think that's something that Steph can do?
0: Yeah. You know, not to the extent that a lot of other players have, I think that's just not in his DNA, Mm -hmm. but I think, I think to a further extent than he's done so far, definitely. And I think, I think he's getting there. Cause I think if you watch him on the court this year, he has a different demeanor than he's had in different years. He has, he's been angrier. He's been Mm -hmm. more frustrated. um, And, you know, not necessarily with his teammates, but it's kind of one of those ones where it's like, you see him yell at a ref and you're like, oh, you're, you're yelling at James Wiseman, but. Through the ref, you know, yeah. like you're picking up a technical <laughs> foul because you can't yell at James Wiseman. That's not who you are, so you're going to yell at this ref. Instead. I kind of want to see Steph pick up a T for yelling too hard at James Wiseman. <laughs> <laughs> just, just do the Kevin Garnett baby James, what the treatment. fuck are you doing? <laughs> <Shh>. <laughs> I mean, if anyone would get attacked for that, it would be Steph. The ref would be like, "Dude, that's not that's not you, Steph. Don't do that. to yeah. it off." <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but yeah, like, I, yeah. I think that frustration is on display. I think he's starting to make it clear that you know he's not happy with the moves they made over the offseason. Yeah, um, and even like some of the off season reports that have come out over the last like two years have you know they've been mild, certainly because Steph is mild mannered but mm-hmm. they've there've been some reports of him like at least yeah they're pointed they're they're making it clear that he's at least starting to let the organization know what he wants and what his preference would be um mm-hmm. and hopefully he's starting to not just let them know what his preference is but that they need to pay attention to his preference <laughs> yeah. um but i also think you know he's in a kind of a, a weird place because he he really respects Steve Kerr and he really respects Bob Myers, um, mm-hmm. you know I, I think the relationship with Joe Lacob is pretty icy, but you know he has a really good relationship with with Kerr and, and Myers, the GM. For good reason they've all worked together. They all yeah. won together, and you know like I think Steph, for all of his arrogance, is also humble in a lot of ways. And you know last year in training camp they had one spot open for you know they had fourteen spots filled they had one spot open and they had primarily. Avery Bradley and mm-hmm. Gary Payton II fighting for that spot, and Gary Payton II was at the time not the Gary Payton II that the world yeah. saw last year. And Steph Curry and Draymond Green were, you know, it was reported many times that they were campaigning the front office to use that last spot on Avery Bradley because they wanted trust a trusted veteran. What the hell? I know. I'm sorry to be uh, <laughs> torturing you with this information. <laughs> yeah.
1: I had to watch a year of Avery Bradley and I was so tortured by it. I named my daughter Avery.
0: Like- <laughs> just to try to reassociate yeah. the word with something positive. That's what Stockholm syndrome, right? Like, just- <laughs> There it is. There it is. Oh my yeah. God. But, you know, I, I think like, I, I think at some level, Steph is aware of those kinds of things where it's like, Hey, a big part of them winning a championship last year was the fact that Bob Myers and Steve Kerr said, no, we're not mm-hmm. going to give you that guy you want. Um, so I think I think he'll get pretty aggressive here at some point with abandoning the two timelines thing. Um, but I think he's always going to still defer to coaching and general managers to a certain extent. Um, I think yeah. it's just his personality. He's, he's just a mild-mannered person. And I think he does understand that his job is to go out there and play basketball. And I think he understands – the value of needing to have other people around you that are smart at other things, that you're not always the smartest person in the room on every topic. Um, And it's hard to find that balance sometimes. And, you know, I think sometimes he he doesn't find it the right way. I would love to see him be a little bit more um, aggressive and out there, especially with, you know, going back to what we're talking about, valuation and whatnot. Like, you know, Steph Curry's probably made... This value, he's he's probably made the Warriors worth five to six billion dollars more than they would be worth if he were not there, and Mm -hmm. he should he should feel entitled to that. Like they obviously can't cut him a check, but he should feel entitled to them doing something else. Um, And if that means that you're punting a year when he is living in clearly
1: really effing good still,
0: yeah. Like so, you yeah, They're, they're entitled. I think to take advantage of him being so good. And you know, I think his mindset probably is and needs to be even further that, like, yeah, in ten years, my feet are going to be up on a beach in the Bahamas, smoking a cigar, mm-hmm. and I don't give a shit what the Warriors are doing that season, and I'm not going to give a shit what the Warriors are doing in that season, and Joe Lacob shouldn't give a shit what the Warriors are doing in that season if it means we win a championship this year. Yeah. So I didn't really answer the question, but no, I hope I, he
1: does. I think I think it it did because. You know, at the end of the day, too, we are molded by our experiences, right? Like where his trust of Kerr, of, of, um, like, a uh, nope, not like, a uh, Myers, um, I always get those guys confused for some reason, but, but the names at least, um, but like his trust of, of the people who were making those decisions have, like that has resulted in four championships, right? Four, yeah. Um, and, and whereas LeBron though, like he has been molded by the incompetence that he had to lift around him in Cleveland. Right. And I yeah. think their two, there two approaches here are very indicative of the differences of their paths. You know, I, I, it, it's so funny because, you know, I wish LeBron would have trusted, uh, the organization a little bit more rather than push for the Russell Westbrook trade, you know? Yeah. Um, the, the same that, that on that same, the the flip side of that coin, you're saying you wish that Steph would speak up a little bit more as, as the, the, the warriors are doing the stupid two timelines thing. And, and it's so fascinating that, you know, really the, 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 I think central rivalry that has you know, kind of de- designated the direction of the NBA while LeBron and Steph have been going at it. Um, they could really stand to be a little bit more similar to each other and 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 you know benefit from LeBron learned from Steph's experiences and Steph learned from LeBron's experiences. And I think both organizations would actually benefit from those guys recognizing just like that that cheesy line in every movie where the villain goes, you know, we're not too different, you and I. <laughs> <laughs> And again like it, this is where this is where like the the Lakers and Warriors um you know they're they're no rival in in the traditional sense of the word but because this is where LeBron plays and because that is where Steph plays they are kind of operating in that way where you can't really separate the Lakers from the Warriors or the Warriors from the Lakers and and I just I find the d- the dynamic between these two teams that have never been good at the same time so fascinating while both teams could really frankly learn to learn from one another it's it's this, this whole thing is really interesting to me
0: yeah yeah that's a great way of putting it it is really fascinating and like with the lebron stuff it's it's kind of funny to me because it's like he gets so much trash from fans for wanting to gm as much as he does yeah. and mm-hmm. on the one hand i get it but on the other hand like you see the seasons like this and it's like okay okay well, he I took his hands off the wheels, and
1: this roster. And happened. this is what happened.
0: Yeah, you get why he's trying to uh, to sculpt things a little a little bit here, and like he does have his. But the, you know, that's the other interesting thing about you know melding these two teams and like finding that overlap there is like LeBron's. LeBron's fault in pushing for the Westbrook trade was not. Everyone seems to think that, or not everyone, I'm sure Lakers fans don't, but like I hear a lot of people complain about LeBron pushing for a Westbrook trade because they thought that the Lakers should have done essentially what the Warriors are doing and continue to develop the Kyle Kuzmas of the world rather than trading them in for someone else. Like, that was not the problem with the trade. The problem with the trade was that Russell Westbrook sucks. Like, <laughs> that, that's why that trade didn't work. If they had yeah. traded all of their young talent for Giannis... <laughs> we'd be in a wonderful position like right land. and yeah. so i think it's like it's one of those those weird ones where you know i think people focus maybe on on one part of that and not necessarily on the bigger picture where it's like yeah that that move was a good move in terms of trying to you know the idea of sacrificing some of the future to win now around lebron james and anthony davis that was a great idea lebron um Russell Westbrook being that answer was, was yeah. not a, a good one and you know it's it's the same with the Warriors where it's you know if if Steph Curry were to be more vocal about pushing for something yeah if you're pushing for trading James Wiseman and Jonathan Kaminga and Jordan Poole for Kevin Durant or some other disgruntled superstar if you know Joel Embiid gets unhappy in Philly and you push for that trade then this is a pretty good time to get vocal Steph
1: yeah, no, it's 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 one hundred percent. You're absolutely correct. In like, had LeBron leveraged that power for a different player, we'd be having a very different conversation. It just so happens that was you know Russ was the player who was available then. Yeah. You know, um, and and like it, it's tough because you know with with Russ in particular. It was so clearly not a fit, but you could also sense like that that window. Like I just we just had um, Meta on the show last week, and and I asked him if athletes kind of know if you just know when the window is shutting on mm-hmm. on your title contention, and he said that yeah, actually back in two thousand twelve, he knew that that was over. Like heading wow. into that season, he was just like yeah that you know maybe if we get to a game 7 we can make some noise or something like that but we weren't going to win these short series and lo and behold Dallas smacked them right and interesting. and i kind of feel like after that after the bubble championship you know lebron looked around and danny green's kind of breaking down and you know then then you know they trade green for schroeder and schroeder didn't fit and lebron still feels like i always find it really interesting with lebron cuz he's he's just every year he winds up having to carry the offense because that's who should be carrying your offense. But at the end of every season, he's like, that was exhausting. I want somebody who can come in and carry that offense. But what he needs to realize is like, you know, that's a poor allocation of resources to continue to commit to bringing somebody in who could maybe carry the offense when you don't want anybody else carrying that offense. Um, Yeah. I mean, the other part of this too Is And as you were talking, I was grabbing this clip. I also can't quite blame LeBron for deciding that this guy probably shouldn't be making every decision in a basketball organization.
0: Um,
1: I think there's a lot of folks in this room, me included, that we have a chip on our shoulder. Uh, A lot of people on the outside talking noise. We don't pay attention to that. (laughs) But I think to get to the end and to accomplish what we want to accomplish, having that edge Having that chip on your shoulder, playing with that level of competitiveness, fire, is important to our squad. And, and to me, really aligns with Darwin's leadership. That's what he's
0: about. When we spell words around here, uh, we don't like the letter I. The best part about be this work. is there's a bunch is of us, eyes, in the, team. <laughs> in the words all together to this far.
1: That's why we take out an eye, and if we take it's competitiveness, out, he included, availability, coach included
0: everybody in this it's room, a bunch of eyes, and we make this a we and a an us room, <laughs> then the eye turns into that thing right there, and that's what everybody's yeah. chasing. Oh, yeah. my God, I forgot about <laughs> that. Wow, that was that was I'm I might have felt pretty inspired to see a backstage leakers basketball camp, maybe. Like that.
1: <laughs> well, he's saying like we're removing eyes from every word and there's competitiveness and availability.
0: Like, like 19 <laughs> eyes on that board and one Larry O'Brien trophy. <laughs> maybe maybe is it like, the, you know, when you're a kid and you like read a book and you get your like scholastic sticker. Maybe it's like every win they get to like come in and put a Larry O'Brien <laughs> sticker over one of the eyes on their board. <laughs> I'm
1: surprised. Like, there's, there's, there's some good like NBA stuff on TikTok. Somebody needs like Scooter Magruder or somebody like just needs to put themselves in that room while he's giving that speech and be like, "Is this guy for real? He's, <laughs> you're serious, huh?" These. <laughs> so yeah, I don't blame LeBron for saying I don't trust that guy. I
0: don't, like, yeah. I, you know more <laughs> about basketball than that
1: guy, LeBron. Let's <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um. Hey, well, this has been uh, a lot of fun, man. Uh, I want you guys to go and check out his coverage uh, of the Warriors at Golden State of Mind. Um, is there anything in particular you want to plug before we get get you
0: out of here? We got a big week of Warriors games, so it's mostly just game coverage going around this week. Mm-hmm. So if you, you know, if you're a Lakers fan who wants the sweet pornographic material that is listening to people talk about the Warriors not being good, yeah. then. Swing by it's the all site. All I have going there will for likely me. be a lot of it. There we go. See, I, I'm pretty sure that 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 we read each other's sites more than than our own. It's like I don't want to read about the Warriors. I want to read I'm about just the Lakers. It's going to start DMing you
1: the articles that I wrote. You can start doing it back and forth. We Perfect. can just like get through this this season together. We, we got this, man. We got each other. Well, this has been a blast. Again, that's Brady Clotfer of Golden State of Mind. You can follow him on Twitter at Brady Clotfer NBA. I'm Anthony Irwin. This has been the Anthony Irwin Show. We'll talk to you guys next week.